in their encores. Uh, actually, I'm trying to think of a, a name for the people who, uh, you know, are faithful to the Encore podcast. Gab, uh, we're going to have to come up with something to call them. They are. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring it to the next marketing meeting. Right. Something that we can call them to their face, though, I mean, you know, something. That... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a colorful vocabulary behind their backs, I think. <laughs> no, we're just teasing. Thank you so much. Those of you who listen every week or every now and then or whenever, uh, we appreciate having your ears connected to the Encore podcasts. And by the way, and I think we've mentioned this before, if you have any suggestions, either about how we do this, uh, we can take it. Or if you have some suggestions for topics or people that you'd like us to interview, we'd love to hear uh, from you about that as well. So, you know, like aside from listening, you can actually be a part of it, you know, maybe have us do something that you would like to hear and experience. So, but, you know, uh, Gab, this week, I, I know I've said this before, you know, I'm really looking forward to uh, the interviewee this week, which is true every time I say it. Today is no exception. All those years in radio that I did, 45 plus, 47 to be exact, I always swore up and down to my family that I would never uproot them, especially my girls when they were in school, to take a job in radio at some far-flung location because I didn't want to do that to them. I figured I could always make a living doing something else if I had to, although I didn't really want to. You know, as time went on and they grew up and, you know, went out on their own, uh, and we were, Roberta and I were empty nesters. That whole mindset kind of changed a little bit for me. And I actually had one of my daughters and her husband move out to the West Coast. He's in the Air Force and he was transferred out there. Of course, my daughter went with him. They were a happily married couple. Okay. So, all right. So now, since I can't seem to find a job here on the East Coast that I'd like, I'm going to try the West Coast. And so I sent my stuff out to Brian. Lopez, who is the PD out of the classic rocker in Sacramento, the Eagle. And to my great surprise, maybe if you heard the episode with Brian, to my great surprise, uh, he got back to me and said, uh, I'd like to talk to you about it. So he brought me out there and we talked and we talked and he introduced me to the other members of the uh, <laughs> West Coast rock band, as I like to call the guys out there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think we all decided that we kind of love each other. At least it was love at first sight, which I'm happy to say. And that really, I think, is what got me the job. Gab and I are going to talk to one of the guys out there who played bass in the band, so to speak. Tom Nakashima. He is an icon at Sacramento Radio. And we'll talk to Tommy in just a bit here on the Encore Podcast. Welcome back. I'm very excited for this week's interviewee because I met this gentleman almost five years ago. It's coming up on it now. When a, a gentleman by the name of Brian Lopez, who's the PD out at uh, 96.9 The Eagle in Sacramento, brought me out as the final, I guess, cog in the wheel to see if I would fit in before he officially hired me as a member of the band, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> but I got to say, although I've only known this guy for almost five years, I feel like I've known Tom Nakashima all of my life. He's, he's just Earth, one of those. I, I know what your listeners are thinking right now. 
Stop wasting my time with this guy. We want Mitch Williams. Get him back. I heard that. What a what a great episode that was. <laughs> well, thank you, Tom. Gabby and I enjoyed it, didn't we, Gab? Mm-hmm. We did. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mitch has that kind of checkered past here for uh, Philadelphia <laughs> Phillies fans. <laughs> I, I remember him when he was an all-star with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that was the year. They faced the Giants. That was the earthquake year. Yes. 89. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was Mitch Williams uh, who was on the mound when Will Clark got the game winning hit that brought in two runs. That was Mitch Williams. And I remember how scary he was. There isn't a team in baseball now that wouldn't want Mitch Williams in his prime. Don't you think? I would have to say yes. I would say especially the earlier Mitch Williams, yeah. maybe. After a while, I mean, he would, well, first of all, his delivery should be in the museum somewhere. Yes. Because, as you know, he would fall off the mound to the third base side, holding himself up with his glove. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I remember thinking when Mitch was pitching, he was the kind of guy that you guys can't see what I'm doing, but I'm watching through my fingers. I don't want to see it. I'm <laughs> yeah, this is an audio medium. It's yeah. not a visual medium. So thank you for the <laughs> in important situations in the ball game. If Mitch came in, it was really, you know, it was a knuckle biter, a knuckle, yeah. uh, a white knuckler. Let me put it that way. I don't know if well, I would ever bite my knuckles over a baseball game. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a heck of that was a heck of a visit. I thought that was terrific. Well, thank you. We enjoyed it too, Tom. You know, I was looking forward to this too. Uh, You know, you and I started in radio around the same time in our youth. That's right. You and I, you out there, me back here on the East Coast. Yeah. But the the thing about you, Tom Nakashima, is you have spent your entire career in one place, in one city. And I know that does happen in radio, but it's kind of a rare thing. And I give you. I'm stuck. uh, I'm stuck in my zip code. Yes, you are. I, I guess I guess that means I'm a homebody. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I spent what 45 years basically with the same job. You know, o- over the years we I'm with the station basically where I started. And I'm doing, you know, I'm basically semi-retired. I'm doing part-time now, but uh I'm a charity case. They they could have let me go. <laughs> They could have let me go uh, two uh, years ago, but I'm still, I'm, I'm still there. I still love doing it. And and that's why they didn't let you go. Number one, you're an, you're an icon in Sacramento, whether you want to believe that for yourself or not, you are. And well, you obviously enjoy what you do. And it comes through every time uh, you, you know, they click on the dial there. When I started in this crazy business, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Because I kept thinking someone would fall out of the sky and say, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't get paid. You don't actually get paid to do this, do you? That lasted, uh, you know, 45, 45 years. So I've, I am the luckiest broadcaster who ever lived. I grew up here. This is my hometown. This is where my family is. This is where my friends are. As you well know, most people in radio, you got to go out of market maybe a small town, pay your dues, get disappointed over and over, and they hang in there. You and I know people who have had to do that. You and I know people who are out of radio and are bitter 
about it because it's a revolving door. That fortunately never happened to me. So I, I am lucky. There's guys way more talented than me who got out of radio for no reason uh, of their own making, but are bitter and had tough memories, but they are, they were way better than me are, are looking back and with disdain at the radio business, but that did not happen to me. I felt privileged to be doing something like this, basically my whole uh, career. I don't know how to do anything else. You know, I'm not an electrician. I can't, uh, I, cl- I can't climb those poles for the, uh, that are in front of my house. I can't sell cars. I, I don't know how to do anything else. Tom, I had a question for you. And also, Chris, you know, I think this applies to you as well if you have an answer you'd like to give, but I know that you've been very jokingly self-deprecating so far. And we love that on the show. I would say it's a real backbone of, of the personalities that both of the people who host it and the people that we bring on, but there must be some sort of maybe formula to, to your staying power. Do you have philosophy that you stick to? Have you remained consistent over time and credit that towards your staying power? Or do you find that you want to mix it up every once in a while. You know, looking back on it, it seems like I got along well with every program director I had. I felt they respected me. They respected my opinion. I didn't realize it at the time, but I realize it now that that was uh, uh, something that had to come from me too. And the other thing was in looking back, I think I tried to, I tried to concentrate on things I did well and avoid the things I didn't do well. Try to stick with what you do best in your gut. Don't go out, because there are, there are a lot of other things that other people do well, better than I did. And I decided, you know, that probably is not gonna work for me. So whenever I could, I stuck to what I did best and, and tried to avoid the things that I didn't do as well. So maybe that helped me. And, and plus I was awfully lucky. You know, I like the idea of uh, st- playing to your strengths, Tom. And yeah. I think that that's something that anyone who is upcoming in radio or even in radio now, every, every now and then it's not a bad idea to stretch yourself, yeah. but you always want to come back to what you know and play to those strengths because as we've already established, it is really a tough business uh, to stay in successfully. Well, so many, so many of us move around and so many of us are out of work. And a big reason for that these days is because the corporations that owned the radio stations in the country, and there are several big ones that own an awful lot of them, are cutting back. They're cutting back on people. Unless you're a very, very well-known personality, it doesn't seem like people are the big thing anymore. Would you agree with that? I must have been born at the right time. Chris, because if I were coming up now, I would never (laughs) be able to make it in this business. And that's not an exaggeration. Even now, there are so few part-time spots where you can learn anything. You know, in my day, we had kind of a proving ground. If you worked overnights or if you worked part-time, you kind of learned the ropes. You kind of made mistakes there. And now... Somebody who's not qualified gets in the business for two weeks and wonders why he's not a producer. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, okay. I, I, you know, it's, it's a lot tougher, but that's true in a lot of businesses, not just, you know, radio. It's, it's tough to start 
uh, it's a generational thing. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> when we would go out on uh, promotional appearances uh, for the radio station, and one of the things I got to say about the Eagle during the time I spent there, which was most recently, but I know even going back farther, long before I came out there when you guys were just, you know, blowing up the ratings all the time, Charlie Thomas and Bob Keller and Doug Thomas and just in case Brian Lopez put everything together very nicely. One of the things is, is that the entire staff would get involved with whatever was going on, whatever they needed us to do. Whereas my experience was always one or two people would go out on a promotional thing. All of us would go out and yeah. do, and they of course would encourage us, but it didn't, it never mattered before, but this was the kind of group that wanted to do it and wanted to do it together. And there was, you know, a it's a funny thing. I, I can see it. I can see it better now, but the whole prospect of chemistry is very real, but you can't buy it. You can't legislate it. You can't hope for it. Chemistry is one of those elusive things. And, I, and probably a lot of people on ball clubs will tell you the same thing. You, you can hope to bring it in here, but, but you can't, it doesn't work that way. It's just one of those, one of those things that happens with a, with a staff, with a group of people who understand and respect each other. And I, I'm really proud of that, that we had in Sacramento with Brian Lopez's uh, staff, the way we enacted like a family is not an exaggeration. I know that there are radio stations where that does not happen. It's really part of the joy of doing it. You can't buy it. It just sort of happens. Yeah, it is uh, something that it's lightning in a bottle for a lot of people. Absolutely. And I've, I've been in situations like that before with good chemistry that just so happens to happen. Like you say, you can't buy it. It's either there or it's not. I've never on a larger scale, like in, uh, in Sacramento with the, uh, with the Eagle staff is just to this day, it is, uh, it's just an amazing experience for me. And I'm glad I got to do it. And I'm also kind of glad because you guys spoiled me. I'm, I mean, I was ruined. It's a good thing I got out of the business because <laughs> nothing would compare to that anymore. I just don't see it happening the way it happened out there in, uh, on the West Coast for me, at least anyway. You know, I also learned from you because I, I would lean heavily on this guy, Gabby, because Tom, like, you know, he grew up there. He's, you know, he went to school there. He went to high school in Elk Grove. He went to Sac City. He went to Sac State. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he went to Sac State because they were. Oh no, you used to complain about the parking at Sac State, right? You could oh, never yeah. find a parking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I Sac State had a lot of even back then. Sac State, yeah. uh, well, it has even more now. But yeah, I went to Sac State. I did not graduate from Sac State. I went to Sac City, which was a, a, a lot more fun because I saw my friends. When I got to Sac State, it was so big. I felt alone. I didn't have any, I didn't know any friends that, that went there. And then I, I kind of had this inkling that I wanted to be in radio, but I didn't have the courage to tell anyone because I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have any peers. And to a lot of people saying that you want to be in radio is a ridiculous comment. <laughs> that is a ridiculous wish. What do you mean? That's not a career. Are you stupid? So once I spent a couple of years at Sac State, and in my generation, we went to college to stay out of the army. 
I didn't want to get drafted because uh, it was during the Vietnam War. That's yes, why we, were, we had to carry these units because people were getting drafted. So once I realized that, you know, Sac State is not going to help me. I think I was in college when I asked a counselor and I never talked to counselors. This was the only time I had the courage to do it. This is how stupid I was. I asked a counselor, you know, I'd kind of like to be in radio. And he looked at me like I had just come from Neptune. He said, <laughs> what? He goes, we don't, and we didn't have a, you know, a radio a program. He says, I don't know what to tell you. Um, just take some, maybe just take some speech classes. We didn't have a broadcasting program. And so soon after I left college and I, I went to work for the state, I went to work in a mailroom. And I just kind of wondered if that's what I would be doing the rest of my life. I'm a good mailroom employee. That's the last real job I ever had. Nothing like working for the state government. I'm telling you, you could live right. for the rest of your life very comfortably with a yes. government job pension. Oh, I, I had a lot of good friends that, that <laughs> uh, spent great careers working for the state, but working civil service is different than, than radio. It's not the revolving door that radio is. And I thought, wow, I'm leaving, I'm leaving one thing to go into the fire. Wow, this is pretty crazy. <laughs> You've told us about how you're very homegrown to the area. Do you find that it helps you connect with your listeners in a different sense than somebody who, like Chris, maybe came in from a different area? Yeah, I, I when Chris came in, I did the best I could to, to uh, help him with all the local uh, stuff. And then fortunately, he told me all the stuff about New Jersey and Philadelphia, which were totally new to me. I'd never heard of a I'd never heard of a Wawa store. I said, I, I got to see one of these. <laughs> but uh, yes, I'm homegrown. So I know all the landmarks. I know the old restaurants. And I, I think that probably helped me because uh, those things mean a lot to people here, I think, like they would in any community. You know, so yeah, I think I think that helped me. It's exactly the point I was going to make, Gab, is that I leaned on this guy. Tom, how do I pronounce this street? Yeah. How do I pronounce that town? And, you know, and Tom, he took me for some of the best meals I had <laughs> out there in California. And, and the thing is, is no matter where you go with this guy out there, they know him. Tom, <laughs> hey, Tom. <laughs> well, I, I remember I remember when Brian told me that he had he had interviewed someone for this position that we had. I think he brought you in. Did he bring you in before he hired you for one weekend? Yeah, he, yeah I came out and yeah. met all of you guys. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. came out. Maybe we went out to eat. I don't remember. And I remember thinking, you better hire this guy yesterday <laughs> because Chris fits in so well. And uh, Brian, of course, did the right thing because he had other people who were interested in the position. And I said, well, I hope you decide on uh, on Chris because uh, he is a perfect fit for our staff here. Uh, but it's an awful long way to move your family. I can tell you that. Yeah, well, there, there's a reason. One of the reasons why it was easy for me to take the job uh, to go 3000 miles, which I swore I would never do, Tom. I swore, yeah. at, you know, bring it up to uh, two kids, two two daughters that I would never uproot them for radio. I would go and do something else if I had to, to make a living and to keep clothes on their back and food on the table. But of course, this this happened after they were 
grown up and out on their own, I frankly wasn't getting anywhere here on the East Coast with employment. So things were really lucky for me in terms of uh, running into uh, Brian Lopez and the job that was being offered. But you, you know, you do remember well, because when I came out that weekend, one of the first things we did after I met you guys at the station was you, Charlie, me and Brian went yeah. out to one of my, which one of became one of my favorite go-to places in old Sacramento called Fat yeah. City, which is no yeah. longer, yes, no yeah. longer hope. That's and, a fantastic place. And we went there again, you, Brian and me went there what days before they closed because they announced they were closing and yeah the entire uh the entire northern california went no you can't yeah. close that city yes so we made, is, the, we made the pilgrimage back there <laughs> we sure did that's one of those special special places that was a special group and uh i'm glad we had one of the last meals there because it, it was worth it i know like me although you spent your entire career in one place you did work different formats right yeah just like uh, you did i worked in ac radio mm -hmm. which was the softer a softer rock i mean it's it's similar i mean uh, our radio station now is, is uh, classic rock but i was not exposed to classic rock most of my career i'm i'm playing whitney houston and i'm playing air supply so when i moved over to classic rock about well that would have been a little more than 20 years ago these harder songs were new to me i was not burned out on zz top i was not burned out on stevie ray vaughn i thought wow what what have i been missing so <laughs> you know in that regard I'm not like one of these guys that have been playing these classic rock songs their whole career and they are tired of them. I was not tired of them because they were kind of new. You know, you and I played plenty of Billy Joel, Air Supply, Miami okay. Sound Machine. So when I got into classic rock, I thought, wait a second, this is kind of a little different, different flavor of the music of the time. So it was kind of refreshing for me, but you know, like, the presentation is a little bit different in softer rock, in classic rock. Those audiences don't care. They, they, hey, just just play the hits, man. We don't we don't care. Uh, I don't care about that guitar solo. Sounds fine to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think you know. I think uh, working a couple of different formats, uh, you know, was for me at least was beneficial. And but you know, working in AC, I think I worked in AC up until the four plus years I worked out there with you in uh, Sacramento and finally got to play the music that I grew up with. Basically my musical tastes are all over the map, really enjoyed the Motown stuff, you know, saw all of that, but classic rock was something I never got to play. So like you, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. It's like <laughs> you're, you were discovering a new body of music and yeah. I was coming into and being able to play music that I always wanted to play on the yeah. radio. So I get that it, completely. Exa exactly right. Because, you know, in, in AC radio, which in the old days was called middle of the road or soft rock, they, the powers that be would absolutely have a cow. If you even suggested Led Zeppelin, yeah. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> no, we can't. We can't play that. I said, really? Why? Everybody knows this song. Well, we can't play Jimi Hendrix. Why? Everybody knows Jimi Hendrix, you know? And so we'd have these discussions. And at some point I said, go, go ahead, just play what you want then. I don't care. And then we get to classic rock. And I, was, I, I go, wow, I don't, I've never even heard of this band. Who are the Scorpions? Yeah. <laughs> who are the, who are the, wait a minute. No kidding. Who's Motley Crue? Are you nuts? <laughs> this is pretty good. <laughs> so it's, it's like a whole, it, it's like opening a whole new box of music. And uh, I thought, wow, this is so, you know, that that's really been enjoyable, you know, discovering some of these, uh, these new layers of, uh, of music from Bad Company and ZZ Top and acts like that. It's really been kind of cool. So in this new education of Tom Nakashima, is there a favorite new band or song that you have? No. <laughs> are you are you talking about from the classic rock genre? Yeah. Uh, yeah. From the classic rock genre? Oh, God, there's just so many. There's so many. I always like Thunder Road. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, I yeah. always like. Uh, You're a Jersey guy at heart. You really yeah. are. <laughs> I must. I must be. I must be. I'd probably fit right in. I want to go to Trenton. I want to go to the museum. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Tom and I have had long discussions. We we shared an office there in Sacramento, and uh, we would be together for several hours before I would go on the air. One of Tom's main interests is history we one of his big big when he found out that i was from new jersey and not too far away from howell township up there by the trenton area which is where the Lindbergh baby was kidnapped back in the 30s he had to hear more about that now i don't know all i know is that this poor baby was kidnapped and found later unfortunately passed away and that this guy by the name of Bruno Hopman was found guilty of it and executed. Now, Tom did dig a lot deeper into that whole story. <laughs> and I, I don't know why. I don't know why I had a thing about that. That's one of the cases that just interested the hell out of me. I thought, wow, this is a cool story. I it, think it, it was home- the OJ trial of the 30s, you know, basically oh, is what it, it was. It, it was the story of the century yes. and the trial and his arrest and conviction, his claim of innocence. That was when the term circus at the trial probably started. That was a circus when they tried him for that murder. Everything. And even now, even now, there are those who claim that all is not what it appears that he must have had help, but he, if he did, why did he not save his life? Because they offered them the opportunity, we will, we will save you from the gas chamber if you tell us who you worked with, and he would not do it. He died in the gas chamber claiming his innocence, but they famously had um, a wood expert. As a matter of fact, there's a cool book, I think it's called The 16th Rail, that rail that made the ladder came from Bruno Hopman's attic. And so he pretty much said, well, you know, this ladder that you made to go up to the baby's bedroom, you made that ladder because this is the wood that's missing. And he, you know, he denied that. So that, I mean, if you can write a whole book about a rail, <laughs> I mean, that's how into it people got. But I think the home was in Hopewell. Is that right? Yes, it, it is. Uh-huh. In, well, it's, it's actually a very bucolic pastoral yeah. 
heart of uh, central Jersey up there. Yeah. And a lot of wealth in that area as well. And too. then when, when you told me, when you told me there's, there's a police museum up in Trenton, I thought, man, I got to see that <laughs> where they have all this Lindbergh stuff, where they have all the kidnapping stuff on display. I thought, man, that's right up my alley. Yeah. I'll never see it. I'll never see it. I'll just dream about it. <laughs> Tom, you said that you uh, don't know how to do anything else other than your radio job, but I don't know. You sound like a little bit of an investigative reporter to me. I feel like you'd be all over that with the interest in this trial here because I'm born and bred from New Jersey and I had no idea what you were talking about. So congratulations. You're already better. You like Bruce Springsteen. You know this trial very well. I feel like you're already a better New Jerseyan than I was. So Yeah, it's just uh, I have very limited skills. (laughs) <laughs> now here's a guy who grew up in in the sacramento area and uh, lived there his entire life but and we used to here's another thing tom and i used to talk about in, in the office there every day practically was where to get a good cheesesteak in northern california and it's not easy it's not easy i gotta tell you to find a good yeah. cheesesteak in northern california but he found it one day he came into the office gab and he had a cheesesteak for me, for Charlie, and for uh, Brian. Right. <laughs> the three of us that were all in the office in, around lunchtime. And the cheesesteak was, it was as authentic as we were at Jim's on South Street, 4th and South. I said, Tom, where did you get that? And he wouldn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I had to know. You know, my, my brother told me about this place. And Chris was so descriptive about the authentic cheesesteaks in Philly (laughs) that I was afraid. I thought, well, maybe this is a dumb idea because I like the cheesesteaks there. And it shocked me when Chris says, you know, this is not bad. This is almost as good as a real Philly cheesesteak. And that is hearing it from someone who should know. (laughs) So uh, that was a great day. I brought back uh, sandwiches for Charlie, Chris, Brian, and me. And uh, that was a good day, Chris. But it shocked me that you said, hey, this this is pretty close. This is pretty close to the real deal. It was. It, it, it was. And to this day, you still have not told me where you got that cheesesteak. <laughs> you're you're going to take that to your grave. I can tell that. Maybe I, maybe I should. I need a little leverage. <laughs> you know, I mean, I could go on and on about the, the things I learned from, from Tom Nakashima, from where to get a good cheesesteak in Northern California, to which taqueria to avoid, and which one to go to, to which bourbon. We had discussions about bourbon. Brian, you and I were bourbon aficionado. Well, I call myself an aficionado. Not really. Not like you and Brian, though. You were the go-to guy for suggesting a good bourbon. And that, again, is not an easy task because everybody's taste is different. I think the uh, the bourbon market has really exploded. I mean, 20, 25 years ago, you know, I... I had tried every high-end bourbon there was. Now I I can't possibly do that because there's there's a lot of other uh, a lot of other brands. But bourbon is you know in the high-end area is so expensive it's hard to experiment. It's not like with wine where you could you know go get a bottle for fifteen or twenty dollars and try it. Well you know mm-hmm. you're not going to do that with bourbon if it's eighty-five dollars. You, you know you're going to stick with what you know. So of the ones that that I know, you know, I'm brand loyal. Mm-hmm. Those distilleries in, in Kentucky, 
Those are and will forever be the best distilleries in the world. I don't care if you make bourbon in Siberia, Japan, Russia. I couldn't care less. I get the ones from Kentucky because there's a little area. It's probably about 10 square miles where 80% of the greatest bourbon is made. Of those families there making uh, Jim Beam and the Wild Turkey family, those to me are the best. And those are the ones that I shared with you. If you're making whiskey in anywhere else but one of those Kentucky counties, you shouldn't be able to call it bourbon. I'm sorry. Right. There's just no way. Just like you can't call bubbly champagne if it's made right. in California. You know, it's there, just... are, there are just some things that are right with the world. Yes. It's... And that's one of them. <laughs> You're doing some kind of specialty show now on the Eagle? We just started the uh, Poor Man's Concert on uh, Friday night. It's like live. It kind of sounds a little bit like Wood Squawk, you know, mm -hmm. for an hour. This weekend, I think we have 38 special because they're playing in town on Friday and opening the show will be the incomparable Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, so we'll go a live hour at 11, the 11th hour, poor man's concert Friday night on the Eagle. I'm going to have to tune in. Um, you I'm better. Just, uh, <laughs> can people gonna... tune in like online? Yes. Yes. You can go, you can go to our homepage at odyssey.com. The Eagle streams, no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. that's what they say. <laughs> well, Tom, I miss you. It was uh, so nice to uh, get back in touch again and to see your face. Talk about some of the great times that we had out there. We'll have to do this again. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm privileged to be in your orbit, young man. Thank you. <laughs> Tom, and is there anything that you want to uh, plug before you go that our listeners can follow you or... Nope. I'm just a nobody. I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to stay out of, out of trouble. As self-effacing <laughs> as ever, ladies and gentlemen, you know him, you love him. You can't live without him. Even though he doesn't believe that Tom Nakajima. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. God, Thanks, bless you, God bless you. That's my friend, Tom Nakashima. Gabby, what do you think? Was I right about him or what? You were absolutely right about him. He has, such a good personality and he's a great storyteller. I can definitely see why he's had such staying power out there in Sacramento, despite the fact that he claims he doesn't know how to do anything else. <laughs> yeah, there's so many things he could do, uh, <laughs> but Sacramento is so much richer having had him on the air there low these 45 years or whatever the heck it is. The business that I retired from and that he's still in, you run into so many people that are just egomaniacs and they are so hard to get along with. And it's all about them, 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 them. And the heck with you. He is just the opposite of that. And all of those guys were out there. Uh, they were, it was really a one of a kind group of people working at the same radio station and people that I worked with at MGK magic back in the day are going to maybe hear that and go, well, wait a minute. What about us? Yeah, but that was a different thing. I was a lot younger than I was in my 20s and 30s. I had no responsibilities for the most part. Your views on certain things change. I loved those people. And I loved those people out there on the West Coast that I work with. And I think I can hold those two things together at the same time in my heart and still have them both be true. Yeah, I think so too. And I think we've gotten everybody from the Sacramento crew on here, have we not? Well, we haven't talked to Charlie Thomas. Charlie is uh, Charlie was the longtime morning guy out there until he retired. And he retired the January, I guess, maybe seven months prior to me. 
So I don't even know if he wants to talk radio or wax poetic about his time on the air. Maybe I could be wrong about that. Charlie, if you hear this, and if I'm wrong, <laughs> let me know. I'd love to have you on. <laughs> right now, he'll just be the mythical creature of the podcast, Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's a good guy. But yeah, we have had some of the big people out there that I worked with, some of the ones that I absolutely respect the most. There are a couple I could still have on, and uh, maybe we'll do that another time. Uh, no offense, Tom. I think we may have to ban you, unfortunately, until you share where you got those sandwiches from. And it's not <laughs> personal, but we, we need to know. People need to know. He held that so close. He would He's not still holding it close. Yes, he would not tell me where he got. And here I am, a guy who appreciates a good Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> uh, he gets one for me, but then won't tell me where I can go and get it. So. Uh, got it. That's what the staying power is. He never <laughs> lets anyone in on the secrets. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was enjoyable for me and uh, for you, Gab, I think. And yep. I hopefully for you guys out there in uh, Sacramento and in Northern California, I do miss you. I do miss, uh, there are a lot of things about being out there that I miss, but the New Jersey Philly area is my home. It's where everybody is. So here's where I am. But one of these days, I'm going to get back out there. And I know, Gab, you go out there quite frequently too, right? Yeah, not for much longer, though, because I get to go out right now because of my dad's work occasionally. And I think that that project may be wrapping up soon. So I'll have to utilize it while it's still available to me. Okay, well, we'll catch you next week. And we'll have another exciting Oh, gosh, I shouldn't oversell that. <laughs> make us sound so boring. <laughs> you make us sound like we just are watching paint dry here on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's no, we're watching grass grow. Uh, it's, uh, it's so much. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back next week and we'll have something very interesting for you guys to listen to on the Encore podcast. Have a great week. Bye, everybody. Bye.